This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Welcome back to season six of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. So excited and honored to have you here with us today. Of course, we created Leading Second for all of us who lead from the middle, and this is your space. We're so glad that you join us every week for important conversations. But today, we're opening up the doors to lead pastors and all leaders to have a summer series of important conversations that we need to be having in the church right now. Have you ever thought recently something like church life feels different or things don't feel the way they used to, (laughs) you know, why does the woke stuff I'm hearing about matter to me? I just want to build a church. (laughs) If you have thought anything like that, then this series of conversations is for you. Over the next few weeks, we've put together a series of episodes to help leaders understand, quite frankly, that it's not 2019 anymore, that the game has changed, and so must our approach to ministry and pastoring people. So in this series, over the next few weeks, we're going to explore a range of topics that you've probably been hearing about on social media and in the news, but you may not have handles for you know why this matters in church life. Our our goal simply is that you would become woke to woke and understand the responsibility that we have as church leaders to declare the kingdom of God and the truth of his word to a world that desperately needs to hear it right now. So we're going to go there and we're not going to stay safe. I've brought some brilliant pastors to the table to have important conversations, and I pray that you'll receive these conversations in the spirit in which they're intended. We aim today to honor God, to love people by telling the truth, and to build healthy churches in the process. You know, the Leading Second podcast is designed for leaders, but it's also designed for teams. If this conversation is helpful to you today, I invite you to head to leadingsecond.com slash podcast and download the episode guide and use this episode with your team. We are hoping that these conversations uh, will be a blessing to churches everywhere. Before we get into the conversation today, I also want to highlight that we have a course on Leading Second Plus called Uncommon. And this course is the first of what I believe will be many, where we intend to offer framework uh, to leaders on just the leaders that will go the distance. In other words, a right framework on leadership for the day and culture in which we live and lead. We talk about things like the biblically faithful leader and the kingdom-centered leader. In other words, when the game changed for us all in 2020, what does the leader look like that can go the distance now in the day in which we're leading? That's what we explore in that course. And I invite you to check out leadingsecondplus.com 
and try out a free subscription, see if it's a fit for you or even greater for your team. That Leading Second could be a resource to come alongside you for your leadership development efforts in your life and in your church. I invite you to join us on that conversation. So today we're going to dive into part one of our special summer series. We're going to immediately offer you some framework on some words you've heard but may not have dialed in with them. Let's let's dive into this conversation. All right, I'm here today with two of our favorites, Pastor Joshua Bingle from Genesis Church. Say what's up to everybody. Pastor Josh. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. It's going to be some gonna be fun episodes. Let's have fun. Abs- absolutely. We're going to have some fun. We need, we need to have some conversations, and I'm glad you're here for it. And the ever-brilliant Pastor Jason Warman uh, from Coast hey. Life Church in Venice, Florida. What's up? I'm so I'm really excited about this conversation. I can't I can't wait to get into it. So grateful to be on today. I respect both of you, uh, first of all, and um, I think how how studious you've been, how serious you've been around what we're going to talk about uh, today and over the next few weeks. So I I appreciate both of you and just your I guess your your faithful stewardship of these topics. And I think we want to say, before we dive in today, we're going to get into some uh, territory we don't usually get into here on the Leading Second podcast, and we're going to have some conversations we need to have. Um, these are probably the things that keep me up at night. You know, what what keeps me up at night is not, um, you know, our ministry growing or something. To me, it's it's the, the wonderful believers that are, um, that are receiving and believing lies. And are walking away from their faith in all of our churches and deconstructing their faith. It, it's the one thing the last couple of years um, that has bothered me. Th- those walking away from leadership um, because of this stuff. So um, I just felt like it was time for us to enter some conversation. And I, I want to start us off today actually with Ephesians chapter four and verse fourteen. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, uh, "Then we will no longer be infants." tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of TikTok teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I mean, think about these words here, Mm -hmm. in their deceitful scheming. Verse verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love. This is Mm -hmm. my prayer and how we're going to wrap this today. We're aiming to speak the truth in love. And by doing that, he says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is mm-hmm. Christ. And so today our heart is to have some conversations that are bold, but are um, truth in love. I, my, my pastor also mm-hmm. shared um, an idea recently in church, this kind of old rabbinic idea it goes like this. If you are kind to the cruel, you will end up being cruel to the kind. You know, mm. the, the, the idea, you could think of it like if you're, you're kind to the shoplifter, by doing so, you're going to be cruel to the shop owner, the one who's being stolen from. And our, our world right now, I think you guys would both agree, we're in a world that is calling evil good and good evil. Mm-hmm. And we're right. in a world right now that is um, in some ways uh, being kind to the cruel and cruel to the kind. And so I'd love to turn it over to you today and just ask this question as we get into some 
current cultural issues. Um, why should this conversation matter? Why why should a a pastor, an executive pastor, care when we start talking about things like postmodernism and woke and critical theory and these things? Why does this matter to us, Pastor Jason? Do you want to start? Yeah, you know, my my concern about where we're at in the state of the church is I feel like there's a sense that pastors and church leaders look back over the past couple of years, some of the national tension, some of the national division, and we go, okay, well, that's behind us. You know, oh, that's that's over. And uh, I, I'm not trying to be negative. Sometimes I just am that way by nature. So, you know, I, I, I do <laughs> what I'm <laughs> uh, But uh, But I, my, my caution on that and my concern is that uh, we're, we're not in the same world we were three years ago. We're, right. we're not in the same world we were five years ago, definitely not 10 years ago. And I think there's a lot of churches. I think there's a lot of pastors. They're running the perfect play out of the wrong playbook. So they're mm. running a game plan and they're executing it. The problem is, is the game has changed. And it's changed mm-hmm. so subtly that many of us don't know. And that's why like, you're throwing out words like woke and uh, postmodernism and critical theory. And a, a few years ago, like honestly, I was aware of those things, but I didn't have an understanding of them. And I just, I got a conviction. Like, man, I need to understand the world we're in. And I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, like I had, I had bit into narratives that sounded, that had a lot of Christianese. And totally. I, as I began to study I began to realize that there was there was a, there was something behind these narratives. There's there's a right. there's a way of knowing. There's a there's a uh, there's an unbiblical uh, worldview that is behind these narratives that many many of us have bid on, and, and now like it's it's become something I've studied. I've spent some time looking into in no way am I claiming to be an expert just enough to sort of have this revelation of, Hey, we're, we're living in a different world. The world is operating on a different program. Uh, you know, the church is Mac, the world is PC. We're not operating anymore on the same worldview. Like it's completely different operating systems. Uh, we have to learn how to navigate this situation that we're in. And when you're, when you're, when you kind of have that understanding, it, it gives you a platform. And I, I, I tell you, man, my ministry over the past three years, I've dealt with stuff I never would have dreamed I would have dealt with. Like I had conversations, like preach sermons. I never like, you know, before it was like, I, I just wouldn't have touched that stuff. And now there's just a, I feel a mandate because of just understanding some of the things, which is why I think this conversation, I'm so excited for it and I'm so ready for it because I think it's so important. And one of my prayers this week is just through us having this conversation that there would be somebody who would just have that moment where something stirs in them to like want to understand what the, where the world is at, but understand our kingdom responsibility to be Bible-believing, Bible-foundational right. Christians. Right. And I, I think what was so interesting to me was to realize over the last couple of years that what we're talking about has, has been in our nation for decades. So in some ways, these ideas aren't new. They were just in seed form and now have bloomed into a whole garden, you know, so to speak. So they were already there. But 2020 became this Trojan horse event where it was the right combination of of you know a health issue racial tension isolation through lockdowns i mean it, it was like the right event 
and it, and it trafficked in ideas and allowed them to grow that hadn't been able to grow previously. I mean, to, to me, that, that's looking back now, you realize, okay, this stuff was there in 2019, but it bloomed in 2020 and after. I mean, it really came into the forefront of our churches and all this in a way that it, that it wasn't previously. I mean, Jason, you said recently, you said something along the lines of our minds might be conservative, but our phones are woke. <laughs> you know, like the, we have ideas be, being brought into our churches right. different than our, just our geographic area. I think this is maybe my question for you. You live in Florida. I mean, Florida's red and getting redder by the day, you know, so to speak. Um, and I, I work with pastors in Dallas and Houston and not trying to call out places, but places that lean more conservative. And I think a pastor could be tempted to think, well, Josh and Brandon are just in Seattle and Washington and the Northwest. This is just their issue. This is a West Coast issue. Would you debunk that for us for a minute? Because I don't think it's a West Coast issue. No, that that was the realization we had to come to. I'm, I'm, you know, Florida, like you said, we have a very conservative governor. People are moving here to get away from certain types of politics. I'm in. I'm at, actually in the conservative the area of our state. You know, there's areas that are more conservative than others. And I will tell you, just from our student ministries, our children's ministries. Um, experience raising two kids in this culture. Like every, everything that you can sit in a church that can, that is conservative has a very conservative biblical worldview. You can sit, you can, you can be everywhere, but the worldview is not being set from a uh, family. It's not being set from church. The worldview for many people is being set by their phone, by their device. They're, 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 they're on TikTok. They're on Instagram. They're, they're hearing all of these worldviews and, and it all it takes also, uh, if it, little 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 bit of a rant, but if your kids are in public school, it also only takes one teacher totally. to indoctrinate a child. Like our our daughter, we're in a conservative area, but our daughter was in a in a I, we called it comp class. I think it's I think it's language arts now, and uh, and she, so she had an assignment to write a paper. Okay, well what's What's, you know, what's the big deal about that? Well, the paper, this was back a few years ago, the paper was on how Donald Trump is killing the environment. So it doesn't matter what the class is. Oh, there's no, you know, there's no critical theory in our, in our curriculum. Okay. Well, there's a critical theory in your teacher because like kids are, kids are open season right now on their phones, wherever we have the access to. And that's why like this lie that the church has to stay out of these issues, that narrative that pastors need to stay out of politics, stay out of hot button issues. Well, what happens when the church is silent and the world is vocal? Like what happens when, when the church that's the pillar and foundation of truth has no voice and then everyone else is an echo chamber of, of what we would call woke, progressive, liberal ideology. Well, it starts to inundate the next generation. And there's a, there's, there is a, a generation that they're pretty set in their beliefs, but we're fighting for the next generation. I mean, that's what we're fighting for because our churches may be conservative. Our area, our communities might be conservative, but their phones are liberal. That's right. That's right. Hey, this is Clark from the Leading Second team. Before we jump back into the episode, I wanted to share a quick testimony from our Leading Second coaching groups. Let's check this out. Hey, what is up, Leading Second? 
My name is Aaron Morales, and I'm a pastor here in Midland, Texas. And I want to just take a second and talk to you about coaching groups here at Leading Second. Um, I have had the privilege to be a part of coaching groups this last year, and it has been an incredible experience. I want to just tell you why it's been so great for me and my family and the people I, I'm around and people I lead. Um, one is, of course, the teaching, the lessons, the coaching that you get from different pastors and leaders that have uh, walked this out and have great experience and wisdom. Um, but also the aspect that I really love about Leading Second is the relationships, the relationship aspect. Of course, we have moments of learning and teaching, and I have an incredible coach. And But what I love about my coach is, yes, he's a coach. He's there to challenge me, to correct me, give me some insight. But he's been a friend to me in my season of ministry that I have so desperately needed. And that's what I love about Leading Second is you're going to gain friendships through these coaching groups. And I would just encourage any pastor, any leader, if you're looking for a place to grow in community, but also grow in your leadership, coaching groups is the place for you. So if you're on the fence about it, if you've been thinking about it, I would just encourage you, make the investment. Go in, uh, jump in all the way in for coaching groups this next semester because it is going to bless you. It's going to bless the people you're around. Um, and I think it's just going to give you an opportunity to meet people, meet pastors and leaders that are for you, that are going to encourage you on your uh, journey of ministry. And I know it's been that for me in these last couple of months. So I'm so thankful for Pastor Brandon and Lindsay. Uh, what they're doing at Leading Second is powerful. And I'm just so thankful for this ministry and coaching groups this last year. So yeah, go sign up, make it happen. It's going to be a blessing. We'll see you guys. If you want to learn more, you can visit leadingsecond.com. Applications close August 23rd. Spots are limited, so apply today. And now let's jump back into the episode. Josh, same question to you. Why, why should this matter to a pastor or to an executive pastor listening, leading in their local context? Why is this an yeah. issue? Good question. Um, I mean, this is... I guess a little bit of an echo of what Jay just said, but um, I was thinking about this the other day when, you know, everybody was like, it's, you know, church is never going to be the same again. Everything changed. Like it's never going to be the same. And then we came back and we we're like, well, it kind of feels the same. Like we're gathering and our churches are growing. And, but there was some, that, that phrase was true. I don't think we knew what it meant, but what I mean by that is that, um, nav navigating this world, this woke world, this applied postmodern world, it is the new normal for us. We talked a lot about new normal and what we meant was like, are you digital or doing, you know, YouTube shorts or Instagram reels or like, what are you doing? Like, that's what we were talking about. But, but the reality is, is that if you feel a little bit fatigued hearing these words and you're like, man, didn't we deal with that? Like, this is, this is the, the world into which you have been called as a missionary. Like, I cannot stress that enough that if you don't have at least a cursory, which we're going to, we're going to attempt to do in this episode, a cursory handle, just like a, like an at a glance understanding of the very basic core thoughts of this counter, this worldview that is anti-kingdom. 
you know, Pastor Kevin preached a great message last week or last year at Team Church called Colliding Kingdoms. And that's literally what it is. It is the, what we felt was a collision. It was a 75 mile an hour head on car crash that we didn't know was coming. I, I believe the enemy and demonic forces have massaged um, man-made ideas t- to our destruction. And so there was a, a collision of a car crash. And now we have to learn how to navigate this world. And so if you're fatigued and you're, you're jumping on, and you're like, man, this is like a, a leadership podcast. Like, what are we doing? Well, you have to have unity on your teams to have team health. You have to, everybody has to be playing from the same playbook. And, and this is not going away. It's not something that we can just put into our statement of faith and then write off into the ever loving 2019, you know, sunset. We cannot do that. Like it's, it is a, you have to accept if you are leading in the church that you are at war and maybe you didn't declare the war and you didn't pick it, but it's here. And so our hearts in this, and I know same with uh, Jay, like we were all at that, what we need to start calling it the Phoenix gathering in 2020. We were all at the Phoenix gathering where we started kicking this stuff around and um, just passionate about helping leaders understand and navigate um, the world that you are in. Pastor Kevin's been reminding us all this year, just like God's word to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. (laughs) You know, 2019 is dead. Lindsay and I joke a lot just in our own ministry. We joke about how we peaked in 2019. It was was like this awesome (laughs) year, incredible year. We went to Israel and preached places and, you know, like I get it. I get it, but I love the way you just said that. This is the world that we are called as missionaries into. I would say it like this, offer this idea, and I I love the book, by the way, Woke Racism by John McWhorter. Um, Now, the book addresses race, but the framework of it can be applied, I think, to to several areas of what's now kind of considered woke, even gender and sexual ideology and some of that. But um, he actually proposes the idea in the book, and I don't disagree, that we're seeing the rise of a new religion in everything but name. In other, in other words, it may not have a name and a central text, but we are seeing the rise of, of something that people interact with on the level of a religion. If you think about it, you know, it's, it, it takes the parts of the Bible that it likes— the parts of where Jesus, you know, taught us to love our neighbor. So it likes that verse, you know, it certainly doesn't like the verse, you know, where God is holy, but, you know, it take, takes the parts of scripture that fit the narrative, but then moves on from there. And when I, when I saw that, like when I got that picture, that's when it made sense to me of this is rising and not going away. And he actually proposes the idea in the book that we will now actually live among it, that there is, it's not going away. It's not, um, fading into the sunset tomorrow that we, it's actually our responsibility to learn to, to live and lead among it. Um, and not, and, and I won't get into the book. It's great read, but illustrates, I think our new, um, responsibility. Okay. So we, we, the word woke gets thrown around a lot. And I think over the course of these conversations, we're going to give some more language to what does that mean? And I think it's a very undefined word, but 
Jason, so much of the basis for what we call woke is critical theory. Would you like take us down that road for a minute? Of course, this in itself is a buzzword and gets thrown around about schools and whatnot, but what is it? Like where, yeah. how is this impacting us? You know, a lot of people hear critical race theory, but it, that, that's actually not critical. It's a branch off of critical theory, but it's not critical theory. It's it's something that spawned off of critical theory. And the word woke, and that you know, this is I'm, I'm no by no means a scholar in all of this stuff. It's a layman's uh, interpretation uh, of of this, but. Uh, critical theory is an epistemology. It's a way of knowing. So you just said it beautifully. Uh, it, it is a completely different worldview. Uh, and it's built on a different foundation. It's a different way of knowing the world. And so what critical theory, the, the basic tenets of it is it sees the world it sees the world as power structures. That, that the way that society, by the way, can I just pause and say we benefit by living in a world that was shaped by biblical values without even knowing it? The world, the world doesn't know. The idea of family, the idea of marriage, that so much about our community, so much about our laws, our rules, it was shaped by kingdom ideology, by biblical truth. And we, we take it for granted because and what's happening right now is we're realizing there is a there, there is a different thing rising, and what's rising is critical theory, and it sees the world as as power structures that some people benefit from and some people are oppressed by. So you're either an oppressor or you're the oppressed. And so, like some of the power structures are like gender, like there being two genders. That's that's oppressive. Uh, sexuality, a marriage between a man and a woman, that's oppressive to people who don't want to fit that. Uh, the idea of the nuclear family, like what was under attack in 2020 was the nuclear family. It was it was so overlooked. Uh, the, the Black Lives Matters movement, one of their main core values was the destruction of the nuclear family. Uh, and and it was it was under assault. Um, race is is something that is deemed uh, as created by uh, a Western way of knowing in order to elevate one race above another race. And so when you look at that, when you see the world through that lens, that everything is oppressive and there's people who are benefiting off of the way the world is. And the only way, the only way the oppressed can rise is to destroy it. Let's burn it down. Nihilism, destruction, chaos, Antifa. Okay, <laughs> let's let's riot. Let's raise. Let's let's burn it down. And and when you when you see the world that way, you're woke. And that's why, like my phrase for it, I don't know if it makes sense to anybody else. It just helped me one day. I thought, man, I I want to be woke to woke. I want to help people get woke to woke. Like that is the lens through that is the lens through which people are seeing the world. And I'm so thankful for this conversation because I hope it helps open people's eyes that that is literally the worldview of politicians that are leading our government right now. Like they 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 want to tear down what they deem are power structures. So a family, a mom and a dad raising kids that is oppressive like a, a person believing biology that a man is, can only be a man and a woman can only be a woman that is oppressive and it's got to be torn down which is where so many of these conversations are coming from and i, I think that's like I, it's not a perfect look at it uh it's certainly not an in-depth look at it but i think at a thirty thousand foot view that's kind of a, a, a hopefully a helpful understanding of what woke means yeah the the idea that the world is um, f 
fundamentally, like the fundamental and primary um, ordering of society is that power dynamic, um, which bleeds itself into this, as you know, James Lindsay says, this radical skepticism about whether or not truth is objective and who can know it. Like those two things, if you wanted to sum up um, this counter this counter narrative that people live with, it's those two things. It's how a society ordered. So it messes with your eyes and your ears. My eyes is how I see the world ordered and organized. And my ears are how I receive and determine what's true, which is not an accident because faith you know, the two primary means of the transmission of the gospel and scripture are your eyes and your ears. And so it's no wonder that the, the enemy is going to mess with eyes and ears. How do we order the world? How do you see it? I heard it said that um, um, in, in applied postmodernism, there is no truth, only points of view. So if, if you imagine like we're all standing around a tree and we're all looking at it from different angles, the, the worldview of scripture would be that tree is true, let's say. And then what we do is we, we order our lives moving toward an external truth. So to us in Christianity, truth is external and knowable. It's, it's external in the person of Jesus. It's revealed. Truth is revealed. It's objective. It's true, whether you like it or not. And, and for, you know, the 2000 years of, church um building this worldview we have always our societies organized this way that we are trying to discover and uncover what is true and we're always changing we're like oh that wasn't true oh wait we thought this was true that's not true and what we're doing is we're essentially moving toward that tree because truth is external and knowable in in um this other applied postmodernism the tree is not true. The way you perceive the tree is true. And, and the way that you experience the tree is true. And so you, someone who's standing on the other side of the tree, cannot tell me what is true because you are experiencing it differently than I am. And that you might be like, what does that have to do with anything? That has, that has fundamentally shifted how people receive what you're preaching it's fundamentally shifted because people don't ask the question anymore. Is this true? They ask, what is Jason Warman's motivation for saying that? Yeah. How is this reinforcing his privilege? How is this reinforcing his position? Because the fundamental ordering principle of society is who's in power and who's not in that worldview, which is wildly different than the way that we see the world. And so, and so when we say things like, uh, yeah, the world is not the same. You have to, we have to grasp um, and understand that this is the way people are interacting with our preaching. It's the way they're interacting with our growth track classes. It's the way they're interacting with team correction is that, is that people are being baptized into this system of they're not even asking, is this true? Their first question is, what is your motivation for saying that? That's why those, those man on the street interviews, where people will, they'll be like on the, like a Berkeley campus and they'll say something Donald Trump said, but they won't say it's Donald Trump. And they'll be like, they'll just say the quote and, the, and they'll be, you know, they'll be like, it was some, you know, it was AOC. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. 
Like, well, actually, that was Donald Trump. And they're like, oh, what? And they automatically hate it because of who said it and because of where they sit and what they feel. So it's not even about the tree anymore. It's not about the truth, which, is, which has fundamental problems for John chapter one, because Jesus is like, it's me. I'm here. It's external. It's knowable, which is actually good for you. It's not internal and it's not this nebulous thing. So those two things paired together, yeah. the ordering, it messes with your eyes, messes with your ears, which totally jacks up the transmission of the gospel. And we have to know that in our preaching and our leading. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love the idea of getting woke to woke. I can, I can think of one moment for me where that happened. I was up at like 4 or 5 a.m. one morning. I did the thing you're not supposed to do, and I looked at my phone and— I opened a news article and got ticked off and then you're just up, right? There's no, there's right. no going back to sleep <laughs> at that moment. But what I read that morning was an article that basically made the claim, something along the lines of that if rich people didn't exist, poor people wouldn't steal. Like the reason people who are poor steal is because rich people exist, not, not sin, Right. You know, but, but, and, and I, I, as simple as that was, it was the moment where, where, where I got woke to woke. It was the, the moment where I saw it. We don't see sin anymore. We see systems. We have literally yep. re, we are, are, are in the process of rebooting our world to see systems rather so than sin. That is so traditionally in Christianity, truth is out there and sin is in here. Right. And so we, oh. that's why when people go, oh, we're going to preach the kingdom. And then people are like, well, that's not enough. It's like, well, no, because if we change people, because people are who make up those systems. So in Christianity, sin is in here. Truth is out there. Applied postmodernism, truth is in here and sin is always out there. And so as long as I can call out the sin that's out there, I don't have, who are you to tell me I need to be sanctified? Who are you to tell me that I need to be holy and consecrate myself because the Lord's going to elevate me in the eyes of the people? Like, who are you to tell me that? The sin is out there, bro. And anytime we're like, yeah, but how about you stop being so envious? But, but I mean, you don't understand how just jacked up because sin is always out there and truth is in here. And that flip that you're describing, again, if you are trying to um, move people to the center of the leadership essentials quadrant and you know, those conversations and this messes with discipleship. You can't disciple right. someone who thinks the truth is in here and sin is out there. Yeah. You cannot do it. Well, and so when people say I'm deconstructing or, you know, use that term, of course, that term means a, a ton of things right now. But but when people say that, I think one of the ways we can see that is people are rebooting the hard drive of their lives. Like they're literally, remember like back in the day, like reformatting your hard drive yeah. or, you know, yeah. like I remember, you know, old computers, you used to have to do that to like keep it working well, you know, longer, you know, sort of a deal. But that like people are literally rebooting their life around a different operating system. Like you said, Jason, it, they do not talk like the ways of the kingdom and the ways of the world, they 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 cannot communicate. They are opposed to each other. Yeah, you know, uh, Josh talked about critical theory being postmodernism. So postmodernism was the idea that all truth was relative, and so like, the, okay, well, it's relative, and then and then it goes, well, well what what if we applied that? <laughs> like, what if we actually lived that out? 
Well, that's what critical theory is. It's it's uh, postmodernism that all truth is relative, which really should change the way we preach. Because if you tell somebody, and this is going to probably make me sound like a heretic, but why not? You know, uh, if you tell somebody that God loves them, and they they believe their own their own truth, they, of course, of course. Of course, God, I love me. Like, I am the center of my universe. I am the center of truth. Of course, God loves me. And, like, should we back off the realization that God loves people? Absolutely not. But should we first tell them that God loves them even though they're a sinner? Absolutely. They have to come to the table of truth because truth is one of those power structures. Truth is what is oppressive. Like like objective truth is oppressive, is seen as oppressive to people. And I'm not even saying every, I'm not even saying everybody who believes this way even knows they believe this way. Exactly. Critical theory was a cult for 50 years in the academic world. The problem is over the past 10 years, it moved from cult to culture. And now people are people are just catching it because it's in the culture, because stores are celebrating it, because stores are pushing it, because education is pushing it, because we now have government entities training this and DEI and all these other kinds of uh, things that people are getting into. And so people are now it's just become their worldview. And you have to you have to realize that like there's certain messaging that critical theory is empirical. It, it is an empire. It, it will take over religions. It will take over nations. It will take over churches. And if you don't have an awareness of it, then you have you, you, you just let it take over because it will morph into Christianity and move you outside of Christianity. And I think we need to be aware of it so we can have a kingdom worldview, a Bible worldview, so we can help reach people and bring them out of that. Because ultimately, it's about oppressed and oppressor. It just leaves everybody victimized. It leaves everybody oppressed and so far from what God has for their life. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to bring up what I see as being two major lies that are being sold on young believers, young people right now. I see this all over social media in various ways. There could be more. This is not comprehensive, but I, I feel like these two are a really big deal, and I'd love to hear y'all, your guys' thoughts on these. Number one, that the Bible isn't true, that that it's not inerrant, inaccurate, and and this is this is like a root issue, a a root issue, and it's one of those those cords, you know, you know those threads that if you pull it, the sweater is going to unravel. You know, it's a root issue of deconstruction that if you can if you can bring someone into question on the authority or reliability of Scripture, so so that would be one, and then the other one is that God isn't good, and if we you know the world, I I see so much content out there about you know if God was good, then why does why, why do rich and poor exist? And why? So I actually take all of this critical theory and tie it back to if God was good, none of that would, would you know, exist. But it, they, they can ride that train because they don't see sin <laughs> and they don't. So, so, so what's the origin of it? And to me, if you can erode that God isn't good or the Bible isn't true, those are two of the major threads that unravel 
the sweater. I'd love to hear your, your, your thoughts on either of those. I just feel like it's so important that we see that and we build those beliefs into people's lives right now. Yeah, I think um, there's there's not enough. I don't. I could not take a stab at answering either of those. We have great resources that we could link to. I think those are you. You nailed it on the head. Um, I I would maybe like to call attention to the parable of the sower. In that, um, you know, youth pastors, leaders, team meetings you're in, you're sowing seed. And immediately what's going to happen in some of that soil is the birds come to steal the seed. So the birds are going to be uh, someone's TikTok algorithm or a deconstructing sister or, or not. I mean, even somebody who means well, a coworker that they're trying to evangelize to that's like, well, how do you know that it's true anyway? And, and, and now that seed has not only been stolen, it's been replaced with a seed of doubt. Um, that this is this is what we are up against that is fighting it is fighting the health of your team like let's keep bringing this back to the leading second podcast it is corroding the foundation of the health of your team because the foundation of what we do um, we're not just a social club and an org that puts on events on weekends we we are built on the truth of scripture and so, Brandon, like you said, if you start pulling at that thread or, you know, the birds come to steal that seed, like we have to be vigilant. There can be no autopilot. There has to be conversation. You have to work hard to whether get over insecurities in yourself, maybe that doesn't allow people to ask questions. Because um, there's this is a time where you, you're going to have to go to the mat and wrestle some stuff down. Um, because the seed is being stolen the second they walk out these doors. There are birds swarming to steal the seed that you labored over, that you you maybe missed your, you know, your some so major well event in your life, or and and you're laboring over these things and you're praying over your team. And then the minute they walk out that door, the birds are swarming. Yeah. And and I think I think these are innocent territory that all of us get into. All of us find our way. We all have questions about our faith. So yeah. so mm-hmm. to have questions is natural. It is human. It is there's provision in the gospel for questions. I yes. mean, I mean, so that is that is natural to have questions and it's natural to experience hardship. It's natural to I, I remember when we when our, our youngest daughter was born almost three months prematurely, our biggest concern, once we got out of the immediate health crisis she was in, our our major concern was actually our older daughter, who had prayed for a sister for years, who had literally, and part of the reason she prayed was because we didn't want to have the sex talk with her, so we just told her, you got to ask God for a sister, you know, and so she did it. She asked God for a sister, <laughs> and then... And then we had the sex talk and then she figured out what was going to happen. But, um, but you know, she, she really felt like she had prayed. She really felt like, like God had given her that sister and then sister is in the hospital for two months fighting for her life. And I have, and I'm still on this path with her 
I have asked her, and we have talked about this multiple times, about the goodness of God, even in the presence of hardship. Because, Josh, to your point of the enemy stealing, all it takes is to experience an innocent event like that, but for the right, you know, for, for, for the weed, <clears throat> you know, to get planted in the garden or the seed to get stolen and all an idea could have been put into her life at that moment that if God was good, that never would have happened or, you know, whatever. And, and well-intentioned, you know, innocent people get picked off because they either have real questions or they experience real hardship and they don't know how to reconcile it with their faith. And so I'm just bringing it up to shine light on it because I, I feel like as pastors, we have to pay careful attention to those because the world's selling selling a whole lot of lies and stealing a whole lot of seed in that ground right now. Well, as you can see, uh, we're into some important conversation today and we're not done. And I want to invite you to join us every week in the month of July for this special series as we're going to continue the conversation uh, that you heard started today and cover a lot more ground. In fact, our conversation next week is even going to begin to touch on uh, gender ideology, sexuality, boycotts, and our very loud social media landscape right now. So I pray that you'll uh, join us next week. If this conversation could help your team, head to leadingsecond.com slash podcast and download the episode guide. Share this with your team. Walk through it. May this help strengthen and, and bring health to your team in this season. Leading Second, we love you. So thankful for every single one of you. Until we talk again, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.